Well, g'day there and welcome to the Oak City Church podcast. We are so glad that you've joined us today for another encouraging message from our Sunday gatherings of Oak City Church. If we can connect with you in any way, please see us at oakcitychurch.com.au or check out our socials online. We hope to see you in person soon. Hello Oak City Church and welcome to Sunday the 25th of July uh, in our lockdown. Um, I have the pleasure and the gift of sharing uh, with you this morning a phenomenal piece of scripture. Hard to say that because all the scriptures are phenomenal. This particular passage for me personally has such massive resonance, not only because of the clarity in which it explains the gospel, um, which I love and by which I've been saved, but because this was also the first talk I got to give after doing all of my studies, it was the first formal exegetical uh, sermon that I gave was Ephesians 2, 1 to 10. Uh, and so I've actually reminisced and accessed my memory quite a bit in doing this talk, which is actually related. I couldn't help but notice as we get into this text that there is, uh, the word for me was about eternal horizons. There's something about the narrowness of now. Um, someone I was listening to has this beautiful language of now, which he calls endemic presentism, where we are trapped in the very narrowness of now. And this feels very relevant for you and I as we're in lockdown in our homes. Very narrow, very restriction feels like constriction. Um, which, and I was thinking about that, you know, that's interesting that this narrowness, this, it feels like, you know, this immediacy before us, which we're not used to living with, um, produces a particular way of thinking and a particular way of being. And narrowness is actually not good by its very nature. It actually feels anxious. Um, and I was thinking about that because there's this word uh, that I discovered long ago in Hebrew, Yeshar, which is the same root word for Yeshua, Jesus, which is about spaciousness. And it doesn't feel all that spacious. Um, but I think this morning's passage is going to open us up to spaciousness in the heavenly realms. It's going to uh, expand our horizons backward and forward. And I think that's just so important when we're locked in the now. This very narrow now. This morning's gift, I think, in this scripture is to just blow open the horizons. And when we do so, we enter spaciousness. And again, those words spaciousness and salvation go hand in hand. So let me read Ephesians 2, 1 to 10, and then we'll just have a quick unpack of it. Um, mindful that it's um, it's hard to listen digitally, and I uh, like you, it's hard when everything is on screen. I feel it as well. Um, so, But I do thank God that his word does not return to him empty. If there's anything that I would be doing right now, I would be preaching and sharing from the word of God, knowing its power. Uh, to divide even bone and marrow, knowing that it can produce great joy, uh, great conviction. And I pray those things for you this morning, wherever that's relevant for you. I do pray that the uh, word would have its full effect, that it would arrive in power this morning, even though it's digital. So Ephesians 2, 1 to 10, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved. And he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that... In the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable richness of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. 
For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It's the gift of God, not a result of work so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so um, as I access my first, you know, memories of giving this talk, remembering that it's important to get context and going into chapter one and then looking to three and four and some of Paul's prayer. But what comes before this is phenomenal. This phenomenal picture of Jesus, all rule authority has been given to him in the heavenly places. It is just this majestic picture of Jesus. And we're sort of in awe. It talks about um, how he, the fullness of him who fills all. There's something about Jesus filling the cosmos that's to do with time eternity that's to do with all these things but there's something about the thoroughness of his rule and reign and so you're kind of you're just in awe and then as you keep reading remember there was no chapter divisions in the original it says but as for you you were dead so so it's just quite a plummet back down not just to the earth but under the earth into the grave that's where dead people are and it's phenomenal that that's where we drop to but it's this reminder that just as we're lifted into the heavenly places, and that's the one thing I just think um, I'd love to just make really clear this morning, often the state of humankind is not made clear in this world, and the state of God is also not made clear. They're very confused. And so this morning, I hope that something in this passage would remind you that this, the reality of the state of all humanity, but also just the phenomenal nature of God, his character, his ways. This is easy for me to accept in, in the start of um, Ephesians 2, because... I didn't meet Jesus until I was 27 and am aware of the power that is at work in this world causing disobedience. And as I thought a lot about that word disobedience, I wanted to really fracture one of those God images you may have, which might not be, um, which is, is completely false, but you may have inherited is that somehow God is this cosmic moralist with a bunch of rules and do's and don'ts somehow that you are to follow as though somehow he designed you to follow rules. But I think that's an important idea is that God did design you for a purpose, which it picks up at the end of this passage, to live a particular way. So you have a design because God's a God of design, a God of order, a God of intent. And Jesus says, if you love me, you'll obey me. Jesus actually knows what's good for us because we were made through him, for him and by him. And so the, obviously the work of the, this is clearly a reference to Satan and the powers of uh, evil that are at work to cause disobedience because it means we will then live outside of our design. All of evil is trying to get you to live outside of your design, to try and find a salvation or a meaning or a purpose outside of Jesus, to try and find it yourself as though you could. That's what's so powerful about this scripture. It says you're dead. You can't have any agency in your salvation, in your finding who you are, in your spiritual awakening. That, this passage says, is the gift of God. For you to have the awakening, it's his grace, it's his gift because he's kind and he's offering it to you saying, I want you to awake. I want you to find me. That's the beautiful pivot that happens in verse four in this passage, because it's saying we're all by nature, children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. Every single one of us is none, no human who has any agency in their own salvation. But God, who is rich in mercy, who loves you, as this letter will go on to say, if you could know how high, wide, long and deep God loved you. Wow. If you could see that kind of love, which he's demonstrated in Jesus, he loves you even when we're dead and we had no agency. And he does this. This is the eternity present. The eternity past is how we lived and how we once walked and how humanity has always walked and the activity that God has done in Christ. But then there's this verse five. 
he made us alive together with Christ. That is eternity present. This is the work that he, he's doing. Even now, as we're hearing this, we, are, we, we have been made alive for those who are in Christ Jesus. And if there's someone who's listening who has not um, been made alive, is someone who's not in Christ Jesus, if that's where you find yourself this morning, I do pray that you might consider what it is to find your purpose and your design in Christ, because it's about life and life to the full. Again, the narrowness of this world and the passions that it talks about in earlier in verse 3, the passions of the flesh, the desires of the body and mind, they're all very narrow. It's all about right here and right now. But God's after an expansive way of being. Um, he makes you alive. And then not only that, somehow this eternity sort of future picture, which has sort of happened now, he raised us up. So it's past tense, but he, he raises us up and seats us with Christ in the heavenly, in the heavenly places somehow. For those of us who are in Christ, the assurance that you are seated with him now is, is sure. <laughs> in a mystery, somehow the reality is for those in Christ, you're already seated with him in the heavenly realms. And I think, wow, talk about blowing the narrowness of the present being stuck in lockdown in your home. The reality is you're not locked down in your home. The reality is you are seated with Christ in the heavenly places. Wow. <laughs> like if that is administered to our souls by the Holy Spirit. That is just expansive and mind-blowing. But that's what this text says. You've been raised and seated with Christ. And this is so he can show the the, the immeasurable riches of, of his grace and kindness in, you know, in the coming ages. In the coming ages, he'll do this again until he returns. And we are the evidence of, you know, reading this 100 years ago, 1,000 years ago, we're the evidence of Jesus' immeasurable kindness because we've been saved. We were dead. And he said, I'm going to make you alive. And he does this through his work on the cross. He takes death so that we can have life. He defeats the grave, raises, and is now sitting victorious, which is what Ephesians 1 is all about. Just this cosmic rule of Jesus, the authority that he's been given. Because God is kind. God is rich in grace. God is merciful. You need to know that's, how God, that's who God is. God is love. God is a God who desires to be present with you, to walk with you. He does not want you to follow a list of rules and do's and don'ts. It was never his design. His design was that you would walk with him relationally and live a certain way, which we're about to get to now. But the reminder of verse 8, he does want to be really clear. By grace, you've been saved through faith. It's not your own doing. And that, that just deals with those among us who may have the risk of thinking that somehow by their own goodness, God chose them. That somehow God saved them because they were good enough. It has nothing to do with good or bad, your salvation. It is a decision relationally made by the creator of the universe to stoop down, reach down to earth and offer humanity the gift out of the works of evil, which is about narrowness, which is about pleasure in the season, but it's a, you know, it's, it's nothing but punish afterwards. It, it does not produce life. It produces death. I've just been in James and he talks about how our desires lead to sin. They give birth to sins, the analogy, and then give birth to death, this progression that happens and you can see that. So there's something about the passions of the flesh that deal with the immediacy. And Jesus is saying, I want to call you up to a greater joy. There are far greater joys to be had because if you really knew what it was like, you're sitting with me in the eternal realm. Wow. And so what a, what a thought for living in lockdown, stuck in, you know, a couple of rooms, at least in my case. And um, so there's no boasting. Um, we're not saved by works. We're saved by grace. Every single one of us now listening to this message has been saved by grace. That's the offer nothing in us. So don't look over at your neighbor and think, well, they're a good person. Nothing to do with it. Um, when I think back of how I was uh, prior to meeting Jesus, um, 
I am moved by his grace. I was not at all a kind person or a nice person. And he decides in his mercy, while I was dead, unable to save myself, he decides to give me life, make me alive. So he moving for me to think about this, uh, that he would be so rich in kindness towards. And the scandal that lifts us even further is that says that we are his workmanship created in Jesus. So just so you know, all of humanity is designed to find their fulfillment in Jesus. There's nowhere else you'll find it because we're made through him, for him and by him. All of humanity, every single one of us is designed to find our life in fullness in Jesus. That's what he offers. He doesn't offer narrowness. He doesn't offer the, these sort of pseudo pleasures of the immediate of the flesh. He offers us joys that treasures at his right hand, pleasures beyond what you could imagine. And you are his workmanship and you were created in him for good works. So you're not saved by good works, but you say for them or to them. And God prepares, think of this, God prepares them beforehand that you would walk in them. You and I would walk in them. That's amazing. God has a design an intent and a purpose for your life. He wants you to live according to that design. There is a power at work that wants you to live out of that design, which always leads to harm of self and others. But God says, no, I want you to have life to the full, a connection between God, self, others, and creation, this fullness of connectivity and relationship with all of your environment. Shalom, I think Jesus would call that. Uh, you were prepared. You had works prepared for you to walk in in eternity past. <laughs> Again, the expansion of your horizons is not only are you seated. So think about this. You're not just seated. You're not here in, in, in lockdown watching this. You are actually seated in the heavenly realms with Christ Jesus. And actually, before this world even began, he had you in mind and he had a plan and a purpose for you. Works that you would walk in. He designs. Think about that. Isn't that amazing? This moment of the presentism and the challenge of being just locked down, it's very narrow, I get it. And that's why the gift of this particular passage this morning, the gospel message is so expansive, this salvation that is on offer through the finished work of Jesus on the cross. How cool is that, that there isn't a single thing we need to, could do, would do or should do to be saved is all him, every single component of it. And then now that we are in him, we get to live a certain way. We get to live according to his design. We get to experience joy that we've never known. And that's the thing, brothers and sisters. I hope this morning, my prayer for you is that there would be this uh, real experience of joy because the narrowness and the, and the anxiety that comes with that's even the, interestingly, the Hebrew word zarah or anxiety, this constriction around, that's exactly what anxiety and restriction and constriction does. And Jesus is the exact opposite. He offers space. Salvation and spaciousness go together. These spacious places. So in eternity past, you were designed. Then he made you alive in Christ Jesus. And then he seated you in the heavenly realms. I pray that somehow this almost mystery beyond, you know, it, it really does require a Holy Spirit, Spirit administration to understand it. I pray that would be yours this morning. I pray there would be a real richness of that. I pray that any images that you have, if you think that humanity is good enough to save itself, might be dashed. There isn't a human who can. But if you also thought that God was angry and unkind and just this cosmic judge who makes rules of do's and don'ts, I pray that smashed for you this morning, that this is a God who is flooded with kindness, love, grace, mercy. These are the things of the God who made the universe, who made you and me 
who then, who then actually gave his son all authority in heaven and on earth and decided that there would be a group of people who would sit with Jesus in the heavenly places. And I pray the reality of where you're headed might become more real. I pray that, that some of that in this season might be a bit of a thought form for you. What might it be when I have a resurrected body, when the old order of things is gone and the new has come, when Jesus says, when his promise is fulfilled, I'm making all things new, when that newness comes. What a great thought to think about all the things that we might, that's, that's worth pondering on. That's worth thinking about in the narrowness of lockdown. There is a freedom that is there. And I pray that your soul would experience that. There'd be expansive places in your soul. And I pray that as you look to this God, look to Jesus, who's the author and perfecter of your faith. I pray, I've uh, been thinking a lot about the priestly blessing in Numbers, that I pray that the Lord bless you and keep you. I pray the Lord would cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. I pray the Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. Blessing Oak City Church. Mm -hmm.